We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Now here's Pastor Muta. So can I get something off my chest? I got to get it off my chest. Uh, During my study this week, I had a revelation come to me. It was simply this. Every single one of us in this place, sitting in this room, are liars. Everybody's quiet. I'm like, you're not talking about me, are you? We're all liars. And, you know, as people say, like, oh, man, there's a bunch of hypocrites at church. Absolutely. I agree. Do you know why? Because how many people here have ever told themselves and convinced themselves in their mind that they'll never do something and then found themselves doing it? And if you didn't raise your hand, you just proved my point. (laughs) Liar. The reality is all of us have said, you know, I'm not going to do this. And with deep conviction in our heart saying, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to ingest this, whatever it is. And then we find ourselves doing it. See, when I was uh, in elementary school, there was this thing called D.A.R.E., D.A.R.E. to keep kids off drugs. And it was awesome. The police would come. They'd have their cars out, and we'd get to look at inside their cars, and they'll talk about how uh, this is your brain, and this is your brain on drugs, and all that. Ew, oh, I would never do that. And, I mean, I was one of, like, the foremost champions of the D.A.R.E. program. I wore the sticker, the badge, and every. I had the T-shirt. I was, I was c- convinced that I would never do drugs. Unbeknownst to me that in my teenage years, I would end up doing the very thing that I said I would never do. I remember I was one of those kids who would like, even when people were smoking on TV, if I was a seven, eight, nine, ten years old, I would flip the channel, I don't want to see that. That's terrible, I don't want to do it. When people did drugs on TV, if I just so happened to be watching a movie, I would cover my eyes, yet I had no clue that in my teenage years, I'd be doing the very same thing that I said I would never do. Anybody got that story? We're liars. We lie to ourselves. Even in our best intentions, and uh, whether it was peer pressure, whether it was personal pleasure, I'd find myself doing the very thing that I said I was never do. I remember I was dating a girl, and we'd broken up, and uh, just, I just noticed that the way I had lived my life was not the way that I should have been living my life. And so as like a 20, 21-year-old, I made this decision. I said, you know what? I, I was coming back to faith at that time. God was doing something inside of me. I started reading the word, and I was convicted. I said, you know what? I am going to abstain from sex till I'm married. I'm going to hold myself pure. I'm going to make sure that I go the whole way because this is what the Bible calls me to do. And sex is a gift from God to be used in the context of marriage for pleasure, for procreation, and for pleasure, and more pleasure. Amen to all the married people here. (laughs) And then I met a young lady named Christine, and she just can keep her hands off of me. No, I'm joking. But it's, it's this tension that we were facing as we were dating, and we knew that we wanted to be pure. We wanted to keep ourselves. But remember we talked about Netflix and chill last week? 
we'll convince ourselves, you know, it's okay, we'll just, we'll just hang out at the house, and nobody's at the house, and we'll just kind of watch this movie together. And about 10 minutes in, I couldn't tell you what the heck happened in the rest of the movie. We're just being real, right? Don't look at me like I'm the only one here. I'd find myself always constantly tripping up and falling, even in my best intentions, saying, hey, this time we're not going to do it, and this time we're not going to do it. And then next thing I know, we're falling in the same situation. It was just like, my goodness, what the heck is going on? I don't want to do this. But I find myself doing it. I found out the reality was I wanted to remain pure, but the struggle was real. And if you're in here and you struggled with anything, or maybe you're struggling with something right now, could you do me a favor and just say this with me? The struggle is real. Absolutely. Let's pray. God, teach us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 7, verse 15 is where we start off today. If you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and raise your hand. House crew will get a Bible to you. Just go ahead and raise your hand. We're going to be following along. We, we love passing out the Bible here so that people can follow along, know that we're not, pastors just not up there making up a bunch of stuff. He's actually reading from somewhere and uh, uh, teaching us God's word. It also helps. We, we believe that when we read the Bible on our own, that God does something in our own hearts. It, it speaks to us personally. He's got a personal message for us. And so in this text, we start reading uh, a personal testimony of a, a man named Paul. And if you're familiar with Paul, you'll know that Paul has some really awesome accolades. Paul is an individual who was like a preacher of preacher. He was a writer of writers. Many of our theology, many of our, our, our doctrines are shaped from Paul's writings. Uh, Paul was somebody who was called by Jesus personally to take the message of the gospel to regions that people would have never heard the gospel. He was a church planner. He planted churches and he raised up leaders. And he was, he was also a man after God's own heart. He was somebody who loved Jesus, who wanted to proclaim Jesus so much so that he endured so much persecution, so much ridicule. People wanted to kill him all the time. But in this text, we see that this amazing man of God gets real about his struggles. He gets real about the tensions in his life. He gets real about the situations that, that hold him up from being the man that really he knows God can take him to. He lets us know that the struggle is real. And I believe that we need to get real with the struggle as well if we're going to have freedom. So if you have your teaching sheets, we're going to start in verse 15. I'm just going to give you the first point today. It's simply this. The struggle is real. Somebody say, the struggle is real. So verse 15, this is how Paul opens up. Now, this is a guy who loves Jesus, who's following Jesus, a Christian. He's die hard. He's willing to die for the sake of the gospel. And he says this in verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. I don't get it. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Paul's like, the struggle is real, y'all. I don't understand myself. The things that I do want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. This is a believer talking. 
This is not somebody who is uh, not a Christian yet, not, not somebody who's outside and out of the four walls of the church who's struggling somewhere, strung out on drugs or uh, strung, strung out in whatever illicit activity. This is somebody who is a bona fide believer who's saying, it's hard. I find myself defeated a lot. The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, those are things I find myself doing. I don't get it. There's this internal conflict in himself. Have you ever just baffled yourself and your stupidity? Where you're just like, how the heck did I find myself in this situation? Why in the world did I do it again? You know, they got that emoji that, that goes like this. That's the story of my life, y'all. That's just like muta in the dictionary. That's me. I constantly find myself doing the things I don't want to do and, doing the th- and wanting to do certain things but not doing those things. And he's like, listen, I am baffling myself. And every time I fall, every time I've made mistakes, I found myself with this internal conviction, knowing that the things that I, I do want to do, I'm, I'm not doing, and the things I shouldn't be doing, those are the things I find myself doing, and I'm like, I'm convicted on the inside. Isn't that a good feeling to know that, like, I recognize when I do something wrong? Or whether you recognize when you do something wrong? Aren't you glad that the days of just mass stupidity are over? Anybody had those days like me? Where you just did, and you didn't think about it, and then people will talk to you about it. I'm like, can't you believe you just did that? And you're like, so? It's my life. I can do what I want to. Don't judge me. The Bible says, don't judge lest ye be judged. Can I, can I, can I share something with you guys? Salvation is not a silver bullet to radical sanctification. Just because you're saved doesn't mean all of a sudden everything just goes away. All the struggles go away. We talked about temptation last week. Think about David. Literally, he had the title, A Man After God's Own Heart. And do you know when he got this title? He was a little teenage boy tending sheep. God had called and anointed David to be king, and he got this guy named Samuel, who was a prophet of the day. He said, go to this guy Jesse's house. Go find one of his sons. I've called him to be king over my people. He's a little teenage boy. He's like, listen, this is a man after God's own heart. This guy is somebody picked by God and anointed by God to rule over people, not only be a a, a political leader, but be a spiritual leader. And then we find out a few years later, David is hanging out at his house. The whole army's in battle. And in those times, the king should have been on the front lines leading his troops. But for whatever reasons, he's hanging out at the house eating like cheese and grapes, you know, like they did back in the day. I don't know, that's an image that I got sitting up on his roof, everybody else is fighting. And then he sees a young lady named Bathsheba taking a bath. It's like the Bible does some weird stuff. Like, this is, I think it just, it just adds humor for us. Bathsheba was taking a bath. And David sees this woman, and he calls for her, and he ends up sleeping with her, a man after God's own heart. 
And then after he sleeps with her, he finds out that she's pregnant. So what does he do? He calls uh, her husband, who's on the front lines of the battle, to come back. And the guy uh, is so, uh, uh, he, he's just, he, he's, he's, he's broken because of his troops is on the front lines. So uh, David says, hey, listen, go and sleep with your wife. Enjoy a night off the battle. But the dude with his integrity lies at the foot of uh, David's door. And he gets up in the morning and says, hey, what are you doing here? He's like, how can I go into uh, my wife while everybody else is in battle? So David gets angry and has the dude killed. A man after God's own heart. Salvation does not, is not the silver bullet for radical sanctification. But I'll tell you what. The, the, the simple fact that we are convicted over our sins, because what happens is an, a, a prophet comes to David and he explains the situation. And David is like, oh, he, he tells him uh, about his own situation, like a parable in like a story form. And David is like, who could that man be who did such a thing? And the dude is like, you, bro. That was you. And David is, is torn apart by it, and we read the Psalms, and he's convicted, and he's lamenting. He's like, how could I do such a thing? How, how, how terrible am I? Why would I do such a thing? God, just forgive me. Take me back. Recognition of the struggle should produce hope for victory. While salvation may not be the silver bullet to radical sanctification, we know the recognition of our sin and the brokenness that we find inside of us should lead us to know that there's hope alive, that there's hope still there for us. Point number two, it's not me. It's the sin that's still in me. It's not me. It's the sin that's still in me. Verse 18, he continues on. For I know nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do what I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. He's like, the struggle is real. Now, if I do what I don't want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. He opens up by saying, for I know nothing good dwells in me. I love the way another translation puts it like this. It says, good does not live in me. I am just, I'm a mess. And he says, this, this, this good that doesn't live with me, this sin, it lives within my flesh. It's, it's, it's in the real me. It's in the authentic me. Can we just get real about ourselves that we are not as good as we think we are? We're not as perfect as we think we are. We're not even as well put together or have the greatest ideals that we think we are. How many of us know that even on a good day, we drop the ball quite a few times, if not anywhere else in our minds? Somebody says the wrong thing to you, and in your mind, you cuss them up and down, down 94, 31, <laughs> Highway 66. He's like, this is, this is the real me. This is the flesh part of me. This is really the authentic, the one that was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. That, part of, uh, that portion of me, like Lady Gaga had it right. I was born this way. I was messed up from the beginning. He said, I want to do right. But I keep finding myself doing these wrong things. 
I want to be on the right path, but I find myself taking pleasure in the things that are wrong. See, just because I want to do right doesn't mean that's what I'll always do. Just because we know what's right doesn't mean that's what we always do. Listen, anybody who's grown up around kids, let's be honest. Precious little beautiful children, they want to obey. They just find it kind of hard. Don't touch that. Okay, mommy, daddy, touch. (laughs) Ah, My hand is burnt. Should have thought about that, bro. Don't do this. Okay. They find themselves doing it. And then when you tell them and you let them know, why did you do that? They look down. I'm sorry. It's the sin that's in me. The struggle's real, mom and dad. You know, um, if we're honest, can we, can we just be real? Sometimes doing the wrong thing actually feels better. It's more fun. And sometimes doing the wrong thing just feels better. Here, let's, go, let's be real. So I have a desire and I want to go to the gym and get back in shape. But let's be real, sleep is better. I enjoy sleep a lot. When I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I should work out. The other, my flesh is like, no, I should sleep. And I usually go with my flesh. I'm like, listen, I I should eat this salad, but chilequiles are so good. That happened to me just this Thursday. I was so hungry, and I'm like, you know, I could just go to uh, uh, my, uh, not my, um, uh, uh, Martin's and get a salad. I mean, those salads are amazing at Martin. Anybody like those salads at Martin? Those are amazing. But no chilequiles with extra chicken and a little Mexican cheese. I usually don't eat cheese, but I will do eat the Mexican cheese. It's tasty. And I remember in that moment, it felt so good, but then the next moment, my stomach feels so bad. And, and, and yesterday, I had the great opportunity uh, to go grab the Rise and Roll donuts from um, the Rise and Roll Bakery in Mishawaka. And as I'm looking at them, I'm like, I want one of these donuts so bad. And so it's cold. It's windy. Remember that, babe? And it's, we're like, we're freezing. We're trying to get these donuts in, in, in the car and all of that. And I find myself opening up the donut. And Christine's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just going to get a little donut. She's like, no, that's for the people tomorrow. I'm like, stop. Leave me alone. It's just one donut. So there's one donut missing. I ate it. It felt better. You ever been driving on the highway? Maybe I'm the only one who does this. And uh, there's usually a police officer who sits in here, so I'm glad he's not here. Maybe he was second service. I'll switch the uh, story, second service. But you ever drive down and have somebody be tailgating you? They're just following you so hard. And then out of nowhere, you know, they, they go ahead and try to pass you. First of all, while they're tailgating, you keep hitting the brakes like, I dare you to hit me. Just, Ugh! Get off my butt. And then they decide to take, take, take over you, and there's a car in front of you, and then the sin inside of you decides to speed up so that they can't come back in. And you see a car. Okay, maybe you don't see the car. You okay, you see the car? And inside of you, like, let him in. And you're like, no. I don't ever do that. Maybe sometimes. It's the sin, it's the sin that dwells inside of me. Listen, faith doesn't make us sinless. It helps us begin to sin less. This is the sin that still dwells in me. We're on a journey. We're not there yet. We're, we're all just moving in the same direction. It doesn't mean you're not saved, guys. 
This means you're human. And last I heard, we all in here, I believe, have a pulse. And we're breathing. As long as we're on this side of heaven, things aren't going to be perfect. We're not going to bat 100%. I don't know if that's how you judge batting in baseball, but, you know. We're not going to be 10 for 10 all the time. We're on a journey, and the struggle is real. Somebody say, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. real. Point number three, learn habits. Beat will when will won't create new habits. Learn habits. Beat will when will won't create new habits. Verse 22 through 23, he goes on and he says, For I delight in the law of God. Listen, in my heart, in my mind, I will to do the law of God. I want to follow God's teachings. I want to follow God's law in my inner being. Uh, this, I, I, call, I found this out, this, this really cool uh, uh, Greek phrase. It's like, kata eso anthropos. In my inner being. That just sounds like heavy, right? All in through me, in my soul, in the depths of my soul, in, in, in the part that is saved and, and transformed by Jesus Christ, love and, and grace, like down in and through the soul person, I want to do right. But I see, verse 23, in my members, another law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of the sin that dwells in my members. Members, it just means our, our, our body parts, our human parts, our, our, our physicality. In my mind, in my soul, I want to do right. But in my members, in my sight, in my touch, in my uh, uh, brain, in my, in my ears, I just I find myself doing things that I don't want to do. He says it's like a war. It's waging war. The, the good part of me and the, the, the bad part of me, because there's two natures living inside of us right now. When we are saved, we are totally sealed before God. There's nothing that we can do to separate us from the love of God. We are pure. Jesus comes and says, God, don't look at them. Look at me. And when he looks at us, he sees Jesus, and we are pure. But yet, we live in a broken body, in a broken world that is wasting away. And he says there's a war, and what this symbolizes is like there's an epic battle to the death that's happening in front of us. Somebody's going to die, either the sin or the good in me, but we're going to fight it out. But then he, he gets honest. He says, but I see my members under the law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive. He says, I don't see much victory. I lose a lot. I fall a lot. It's taking me captive. Every time I think I'm getting ahead, I take three steps backwards. Every time I feel like I'm moving forward, I I feel like I'm getting uh, drawn right back. I lose a lot in this image of captivity taking me captive. See, he's talking to an audience that understood what real captivity looked like. See, as soon as he said those words, these these Romans are understanding that uh, they are like the chief torture executives. They know how to imprison people, and they know how to torture people, and they know how to keep uh, 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 people uh, captive. And so when you look at uh, Roman prisons, they were always dark. 
There was never usually any light in there. They were usually down in a dungeon, and they put heavy chains on you, maybe on your neck, and then they'll put chains to your arms, and then they'll put chains on your legs, and then they'll chain you up to other people. And you know, back in the day, it wasn't like stainless steel. This thing is rusting. It's weighing your body down, rendering your limbs incapable of even moving. So now you're paralyzed in the dark. There's low nourishment in there. They're not feeding you. The only good food you're going to eat is right before your death. They're like, hey, let's give them one last meal. But by that time, you probably can't even put a spoon to your head. Somebody else has to feed you. You aren't getting any new clothes. They're not giving you prison uniforms like we do nowadays. So whatever you had on your body and over time, it wastes away in this, this dark and, and, and dirty and, and musty prison, and you find yourself naked. How many believe sin wants to leave you in the dark? It wants to leave you alone and isolated in this darkness of depression. It wants to put you without a way of escape. It has you chained up, and it, it doesn't want to fill you up. It wants to leave you empty. And it wants to leave you bare, naked, by yourself. And let me tell you something. I had a dream this week. And listen, this doesn't happen to me often. But when it does, God is really trying to say something. There is somebody in here who wants to go back to their sin. There is somebody in here who wants, who's been thinking about it and you're saying, life is hard and I can't do it and I can't bear it anymore. And you're trying to go back to the very thing that you know that you hate. And I want to tell you today that it's not going to lead you to anything but darkness, nothing but uh, leave you bare and alone and depressed and without any feeling. But Jesus is here to let you know today that you can be free. Don't go back. I don't know who you are. But God has a message for you today. He says, don't, don't even do it. He says, the sin dwells in my members. It's, 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 in my, it's, it's my physical nature. I'm so used to doing these things that it becomes second nature. In most, for most parts, it's first nature. But to change a habit, you have to learn a new one. Uh, to change what you're used to doing, you have to learn a new one. Uh, think about you move to a different country, you'll never learn the language and if you don't ever try. If you don't ever start pursuing that direction. Listen, it's not enough to just will it. You have to begin to do. It's not enough to just say, I I'm going to white knuckle it and in my heart, I'm just going to believe, oh, yes, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to sleep with him again. I'm not going to sleep with her again. I'm not going to smoke that. I'm not going to drink that. I believe, I believe, I believe. If you don't do anything, you can believe all you want. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to happen until you start walking it out. Now, there's a saying, I don't know if I'm going to say it right, like uh, uh, a lot of us pray like, hey, God, lead me in the direction you want me to go, but we won't never take a step. But aren't you glad we serve a God who doesn't leave us there? Because there's a text in the Bible that says, for it is God who works within you to will and to do his good pleasure. So you don't have to worry about your faithfulness, but the faithfulness of God and just say, God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm just going to take a step with you because I know you're going to carry me all the way. Learned habits beat will when will won't create new habits. Why? Because the struggle is real. 
Point number four. My level of authenticity about my sin will determine the length of my struggle. The level of authenticity about my sin will determine the length of my struggle. Listen to what he says. Verse 24. Wretched man that I am. He doesn't just say, you know, guys, I'm I'm just slipping a lot. I'm struggling. You know, I'm a little broken. You know, no perfect people allowed, right? He said, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He doesn't butter it up. He doesn't say that, um, you know, I struggle from time to time. You know, like us Christians, you know, you know, everybody struggles a little bit. And from time to time, I wrestle with these things too. No, he says it's all bad. I'm bent to always lean on the dark side. He says I'm miserable. I'm a miserable man. I'm, I'm tormented. I'm hopeless. I'm defeated. He gets real about his struggle. It's not that just he struggles from time to time. He says, listen, I fail a lot. Even when I'm not doing physically, my mind is going in that direction. Wretched man that I am. Hopeless man that I am. And here goes the thing that I love. He doesn't measure himself against the other apostles. Somebody catch this today. He doesn't say, oh, wretched man that I am, but praise God, I'm not like him. Take it a step further. He doesn't look at what the world is doing and saying, oh, those bad people, tisk tisk tisk." His eyes are only fixed on him. He ain't worried about anybody else. I'm the one who screwed up. You look on TV, and we see these celebrities and all these politicians doing all these crazy things, and we want to get on all our high horse like we're not messed up ourselves? Like we don't have issues ourselves? Wretched man that I am. Forget what they do on TV. Forget what they do in Hollywood. Forget what they do at Coachella over this music festival. Me, wretched man that I am. Freedom. Freedom is not found in external comparison. It's found in personal conviction. I can't be worried about what the person is doing next to me. I can't be worried about the person is doing down the street. I can't be worried about the person is doing on TV. I need to be worried about myself. Because I've got some hang-ups. I've got some things that I need to fix. And the thing that he says here, I, I love it. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? He realizes I can't do it by myself. I can't fix me. I can't white knuckle it. I can't will it in myself. I've tried and I failed. I can't do it alone. And there's somebody in here who's been trying to fix yourself on your own. You've been trying to go about this, this sin issue, this brokenness issue, this struggle that you have all by yourself. He said, I can do it. 
And what Paul is saying, listen, I am one of the greatest philosophers, Bible teachers, church planners in the world. And if I can't do it and I was personally called by Jesus, I heard his voice. What makes you think you can do it? You know, uh, a few weeks ago, I, uh, every now and then I battle with like bouts of depression and just, just part of just uh, the life that I've lived and, you know, I, I get down a lot. So I called a couple of my brothers. John was there. And I called another brother. And I said, hey, guys, let's go out to eat. And we sat and we talked and we laughed and we joked and we just kind of just, we just shared. And it was just a great time. And afterwards, I, I told them, I said, hey, listen, I, I, I just want to take you guys to let you know I appreciate you. They thought I was appreciating them because of what they do at church and how they serve. Yeah, I appreciate them for that. But what I appreciated them is being able to sit with me in the midst of my struggle. In the midst of my brokenness and just being willing to just be there with me. And so when we talked about it later on, I was like, dude, that wasn't for you. That was for me. I was struggling. I needed to put myself around people. That's why we've got the church. That's why we call it a family. That's why we have things called regroups. That's why we have serving teams. It's to intentionally connect you with people to let you know that you don't have to struggle alone. You don't have to go through life alone. Life was meant to be lived in community. So maybe you don't have somebody at home. Maybe you don't have somebody at work. Maybe you don't have somebody in your life. Hey, guess what? Welcome home. You got the church. Get connected. Get plugged in. A lot of us sometimes, we, we, we push the church over to the side, and we sit there, and we wonder why we can never get out of these hangups. When God is like, I've instituted the number one vehicle of not only salvation, redemption, but also hope. Some of us need to talk to counselors and get clinical counseling. It's okay. You're not crazy. I've done it too. I am crazy though. I needed it. There's so many opportunities around us in this community, uh, organizations that offer free counseling. Find somebody to talk to. You can't do it alone. Body of death, he's like, it's killing me. Spiritually, it's killing me. Physically, it's killing me. And for some of us, if we want to admit, it's killing our marriages. It's killing our relationships. It's killing our education. It's killing our fellowship in the church. It's killing our friendships. The struggle is real. Somebody say the struggle is real. Point number five. Only the perfection of Jesus can overcome the imperfections of humanity. Only the perfections of Jesus can overcome the imperfections of humanity. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Before I go there, let me read this. Verse 25. After he's laments about the wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death, thanks be to God. Thanks 
be to God. And look at this, an exclamation point at that end. After he cries out and says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to Jesus Christ our Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, for our sake he made him, God made him, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in, in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thanks be to Jesus Christ our Lord. We're told that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of life is, is eternity. And Jesus Christ pays the penalty in full. How do we get the free gift? It's because we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. He takes on our brokenness and gives us his wholeness. The full wrath that you and I deserve. The righteous, holy wrath of God was placed wholly on Jesus Christ for the sins of everyone who would come to faith in him. It was poured out on him, so much so that he was on the cross and he said, why have thou forsaken me? I'm alone, I'm in this dark pit. I'm naked. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I've got nothing. The same words that we say when we're in struggle. Jesus said it too because he carried our pain. He carried our shame. He carried our hurt. He was broken and he was bruised so that me and you can have freedom. His death was my death. But as we celebrated two weeks ago, his resurrection was my resurrection. It was my new life away from sin, away from hell, away from the punishment of eternity without him. And then he implants his Holy Spirit inside of us to begin to turn things around. Oh, you didn't know that was living inside of you? Let me tell you right now, you've got God's power, his Holy Spirit. You've got the very presence of God going to battle against that sin of your flesh. You don't have to worry about your faithfulness because you're going to drop the ball. All you got to do is rely on Jesus Christ and take one step and take another step. He'll make a way in your wilderness. Hey, if you're in a dry, thirsty land where you feel like you can't, uh, you can't get any nourishment, he said, I will bring rivers in your yeah. desert. Yeah. He is the refreshing for us. His Holy Spirit will teach us a new way of living. Just lean in. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18, we're wrapping it up here. He says, and this is Paul speaking again, now the Lord is the spirit. And with the spirit of the Lord, there is what? There is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. For I'm sure of this, the good work that God has started in you, he will be sure to complete in the day of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The struggle is real, but Jesus is realer. He is real. So it's time to get real with our struggle. It's time for us to take an honest look at our faith. Because the level of authenticity that we have about our sin will determine whether we stay stuck or we get free. 
And Jesus paid the price. And he's instituted his local church to come alongside of you, to love on you, to pour into you, to build into you. Hey, listen, here at Relevant Church, this is a no-judgment zone. I've been very transparent about uh, my life, and people are going to be very transparent with you because this is what we say. Freedom comes when authenticity is the only requirement. Be you. We're not asking you to be anybody else but you. Come as you are. Leave greater. The struggle is real, but the freedom Jesus provides is also real. So today, my counter to you. Get real. Get help. Get free. Pray. God, we thank you that you sent your holy son to come to a broken world, to come and live the life we live, experience the experiences we experience, to be tempted the same way we've been tempted, but to overcome it all on our behalf. God, he went to the cross voluntarily, willingly, because of his passion for humanity, his passion for your children, his passion for us. And God, when he lay, when he he stayed up there on that cross, beaten, battered, we're able to look at him and, and, and know what it feels like. He says, listen, I've been there. I've been shamed. I've been mocked. I've been ridiculed. I was thirsty. They gave me sour wine. They pierced my side. It's been broken. They, they stripped my clothes off. I've been where you've been. And I died so that you could have freedom. I gave my life for you so you could see an eternity with me. And three days later, I rose again to prove to you that I have all power of death, of hell, but also of freedom, of joy, Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.